Chapter Eleven of Woman's Suffrage and Politics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Woman's Suffrage and Politics: The Inner Story of the Suffrage Movement by Carrie Chapman Cat and Nettie Rogers Schuler. Special Handicaps and Hazards. No reform of government can be written into law in America until it has run a gauntlet of handicaps and hazards peculiar to this country some are inherent in the range and quality of our electorate some are incidental to the operation of our laws especially our election laws as already written in the case of woman suffrage each and all of them prove so particularly crippling as to be entitled to a chapter of their own to begin with woman suffrage came up to one of its first great moments just after the civil war the war had done two things to the immediate detriment of suffrage along with all other idealistic causes it had swept into their graves thousands of idealistic american men and it had opened the doors of america to thousands of unidealistic immigrants from europe the appalling figures of the war show that one hundred thousand young men the flower of the manhood of north and south gave up their lives in the contest the vacancies created in population and electorate were ultimately filled by immigrants who fleeing from european conscription and lured by the promise of high wages or profits flocked to our shores in great numbers their muscles were as tense their thrift as constant their industry as profit-producing as those of the men who had gone but there were differences which affected the entire history of the nation in the veins of many thousands of the dead both north and south flowed the blood of the heroes of the revolution they were men who had been educated in american schools and knew the ideals and principles upon which the young republic had been founded their idealism had been supported after the european uprising of eighteen forty eight by a considerable number of european exiles or disappointed idealists who possessing as intense a love of political liberty as any american found refuge in the united states and not only gave gallant service in the northern army but made the supreme sacrifice such additions were of course all to the good in a nation striving for democracy so too was the fact that immigration immediately after the war came from the north of europe where education and movements toward political freedom had made most progress but later that tide from the north was checked and another set in from the south of europe where illiteracy was most prevalent by the naturalization law immigrants were granted the privilege of citizenship after a five years residence male citizens became voters in all states when qualified by age and residence in accordance with their laws fifteen states impatient to attain numbers and prosperity offered to foreign-born settlers the inducement of a vote before citizenship had been acquired the declaration of intention to become a citizen or first papers being the sole qualification required in addition to those of residence thus it came about that immigrant voters who took the places of the men that had gone had neither understanding of american principles nor a heritage which easily acquired it immigrants from each european nation generally joined the party advocated by earlier immigrants of their nationality 
the germans scandinavians and italians usually allying themselves with the republican party and the irish greeks and other southeastern nationals with the democratic party the newcomers furnished so fruitful a field in which to recruit party voters before an election that no party could afford to neglect it the new voters were not tutored in american history principles or traditions they were not made to understand that votes mean responsibility for the common welfare instead they were urged to support a party because that party would do most for the men of their nationality the method used was to pay leading men usually called key men to round up their nationalities on election day if the pressure was great and competition strong votes were bought yet a loyalty to the party chosen was often beyond purchase an illiterate italian bootblack in the national suffrage headquarters building in new york often said that he had been offered a political job as street cleaner but said he i didn't take it because i would have to vote the democratic ticket until the closing years of the struggle when the suffrage army grew vastly larger and was recruited from all classes its leaders and members were women of american birth education and ideals a remarkable number were daughters of revolutionary fathers and in their childhood homes had learned the meaning of political freedom and had inherited other ideas of progress such women turning to the states to seek enfranchisement were driven to beg their right to have their opinions counted from negroes newly emancipated untrained and from foreign-born voters mainly uneducated with views concerning women moulded by european tradition no other women in the world suffered such humiliation nor worked against such odds for their political liberty yet the woman suffrage movement in the united states was a movement of the spirit of the revolution which was striving to hold the nation to the ideals which won independence all women of other lands now enfranchised nineteen twenty three received their vote by act of a single parliament with the exception of two provinces of canada where the question was put to referendum in the united states no state legislature possessed authority to extend more than a restricted vote to women and some could not do that woman's suffrage within the states meant approval by a majority and in several states more than a majority of the electors voting on the question the necessary procedure was to secure an amendment to the state constitution by striking out the word male thousands of voters did not know what a constitution or an amendment meant and were easily persuaded that striking out the word male would take the vote away from men and give it to women in the year nineteen fifteen the suffrage committees of four campaign states new york pennsylvania massachusetts and new jersey united in the publication of literature one flyer setting forth simple principles was illustrated by a cartoon in which a cradle labelled political liberty was being rocked by a big foot labelled the spirit of seventy six in all four states these had to be withdrawn because of the voters who did not know the meaning of those phrases and interpreted the cartoon as meaning that when women vote men will have to rock the baby's cradle the enfranchisement of the black man by bayonet turned into the electorate a vote enormous in some states which in every referendum campaign became a solid block 
under the direction of white men with which to club back the advancing suffrage forces the negro vote proved to be an exceedingly venal one and even though negroes usually voted the republican ticket they were often able to exact pay for their loyalty a professor at princeton suspecting that a certain colored factotum sold his vote said to him the day after election well george what did you get for your vote yesterday five dollars sir well which ticket did you vote for republicans sir but the democrats offered me more well then why didn't you take the highest bid well sir i specs the democrats be de corruptedest the negro should not be too much blamed for his political weaknesses he was untrained and ignorant and leaned upon the advice of the white man who freed him from slavery much as a child leans upon an elder those upon whom he leaned were not the great men who advocated human rights but small men who lived by prostituting human rights with the enfranchisement of the negro the last man in the united states was enfranchised except the indians living on reservations as these were reclaimed from primitive habits and established in civilized customs they too were enfranchised by the federal government and were given their chance to vote against extending the right of suffrage to white women which they proceeded to do in several states after the war the negro and the foreign-born together with the illiterate american voter offered continual temptation to unscrupulous interests within and without the party whose privilege or profit was affected by an election or the fate of a legislative bill wherever there is money there will be corruption says james bryce and wherever there is a large portion of an electorate too ignorant to understand party differences or the nature of political issues a combination is created which will never fail to produce an extreme variety of corruption prosperity after the war was stimulated by the protective tariff by city-state and national franchises and various commercial concessions questions involved in these matters became issues of campaigns and men whose profits thus depended upon legislatures or elections were induced to invest a portion of their profits in politics in order that more profits might be forthcoming a corrupted minority of the moneyed interest combined with a corruptible minority of the electorate produced the inevitable and a balance of power was created which at times dictated legislation and won elections this vicious combination caused the state legislatures to elect so many united states senators in bold shamelessness that the dominant parties took up the challenge of the populists and secured the adoption of a federal amendment providing for the popular election of senators this same combination ruled the large cities with such utter disregard for honor or honesty that campaigns by reform elements were constantly waged to put the rascals out and that too with more defeats than successes neither party was clean the shame of the cities has been democratic in new york and boston republican in philadelphia and st louis votes have been bought in elections by both parties and although the long struggle for the restoration of decency has removed the baser forms of corruption the end is not yet an occasional judge has been proved corruptible juries have been often suspected and legislation not infrequently has borne the signs of purchase corporations 
with need for political protection made large contributions to parties and candidates expecting political favors in return until the public made so loud a protest that such contributions were forbidden by law individual stockholders could do what their collective corporation was forbidden to do however and thus the law was easily evaded manufacturers railroads and the liquor trade kept sharp men on watch over all legislatures and congress in order that no legislation inimical to their interests should be passed without their knowledge and when measures affecting them came up flocks of professional lobbyists descended upon the legislature a man thoroughly versed in all the intricacies of parliamentary law and legislative procedure informed as to the history the ambitions and the weaknesses of every legislator affable plausible well-mannered was an ideal chief for these lobbies he was often a lawyer and usually a far abler man than the majority of the legislators he was expected to handle the pay of legislators has always been so small that men ambitious for business success would not give the time necessary to legislative service the state custom of selecting representatives from the residents of districts often limits the selection of candidates to people ill-fitted for the duties involved every legislature is likely in consequence of these conditions to include a number of men low in mental and moral qualities easily moved by flattery and tempted by money what sort of a legislature have you got was asked in one state quick came the answer as good as money can buy in the second election of abraham lincoln in eighteen sixty four loyal men at the north sincerely believing that the fate of the nation would be endangered should the election be entrusted to the free will of an electorate from which loyal men had gone to the front leaving a disproportion of disloyal ones at home bought votes to save the day conscientious christian gentlemen contributing to this end the corruption thus begun or continued from pre-war days was kept alive by elements which were wholly selfish and sordid new hampshire furnishes a well-known example of the methods which robbed many states of all but the form of democratic government soon after the war a contest began between the boston and maine railway and the concord railway for control of the state it continued before the voters the legislature and in the courts for nearly twenty years legislators were bought in each succeeding legislature the price climbing higher each year and when the contest grew most intense agents of the two railroads selected candidates satisfactory to their respective sides and bought votes at the polls to elect them even at that they were obliged to pay for the loyalty of the successful candidate the bitterness of the contest overshadowed all partisan interests electors observing that others were being paid for their support excused themselves with the philosophy that one railroad was bound to win and the winner ought to pay for the privilege and join the list of the purchasable the concord road was finally beaten in the struggle and its representatives made no secret of the fact that the contest had cost it a million dollars the successful boston and maine never divulged the secret of the cost of its victory but in after years was merged with other railroad interests thus offering circumstantial evidence that it had impoverished itself in the contest 
united states senator william e chandler was outspoken in his condemnation of the methods employed and was promptly punished by the loss of his seat the electorate was utterly demoralized by this wholesale purchase of votes even in ordinary elections the electors insisted upon being paid for their time even when supporting the party of their choice other men were frankly for sale to the highest bidder floaters as the purchasable voters were called gathered around the polling places and refused to sell their votes until closing time approached when prices went up why asked the suffragist of the republican state chairman do not the republican leaders agree with democratic leaders to buy no more votes and thus rescue the state from its shameful degradation with a whimsical smile he replied it was tried once in the town of c and when the announcement was made that no votes were to be bought the floaters called a convention nominated a ticket and elected it thus had the right of voters to be bought been firmly established when in nineteen nineteen the national suffrage association sent women into new england to help the local workers in polling their legislatures preparatory to the ratification of the federal suffrage amendment several members quite frankly responded with the confession that they were not at liberty to promise their votes upon any question without consulting the man who put me in similar demoralizing conditions were constantly found throughout new england new york new jersey pennsylvania and ohio and spasmodically in other northern states few states if any have escaped this corrupting influence which everywhere has lowered political standards and subverted democratic freedom of choice yet at no time have honest majorities entirely surrendered to criminal minorities and many a hard battle between the two has been fought and sometimes won in response to public opinion laws curbing the practices which had aided corrupt minorities have been passed and although these have been difficult of enforcement they have exercised a restraining influence in the united states said mr bryce the swift growth of prodigious fortunes and the opportunities for increasing them by obtaining favors from the governments of states and cities had coincided with the building up of party organizations through whose help these favors could be obtained the influence of what is called big business wealth concentrated in a few hands and finding its tools in politicians and party organizations was for many years a fruitful source of mischief exploiting the resources of the country for its selfish purposes these abuses provoked a reaction big business began to be bitted and bridled and though it still shows fight can hardly recover the dominance it enjoyed thirty years ago for public opinion has grown more sensitive and vigilant the effect of corruption upon the political history of the nation has been to drive many of the best equipped men out of politics and to render those who accept office conservative and exceedingly cynical toward the rights of the people men have long warned women of the dirty mire of politics and many have been in truth pessimistic concerning the permanency of self-government wait they said until manhood suffrage has proved itself money has been eliminated and politics has become a fit place for women this plea was conscientious and sincere and served to discourage many women of their class from aiding the campaigns for the vote we know woman suffrage is just and that it will come but this is not the time 
hosts of men and women in large numbers in every suffrage campaign and held themselves fastidiously aloof from cooperation still other hazards hazards of a legal nature beset the path of suffragists and balked their efforts for instance an amendment to a state constitution must in most states pass two consecutive legislatures the campaign to secure submission thus covering a period of three or four years several states require more than a majority of the legislature on the second passage states requiring passage through one legislature only usually call for more than a majority vote three-fifths three-fourths two-thirds being the usual provisions and when a majority vote of one legislature only is required for passage additional handicaps are imposed over the election it being usual to require the majority of all the votes cast at the election instead of the majority cast on the proposition the suffrage referendum in oklahoma was the only one ever carried under this requirement in many states a single vote in one house has prevented submission of suffrage amendments in referenda elections illegal ballots have been counted in the total of which the suffrage amendment must secure a majority if therefore the tricks of suffrage opponents failed to ensure defeat in the legislature there were always many others to be applied at the election again a referendum on a non-partisan issue has none of the protection accorded a party question the election boards are bipartisan and each party has its own machinery not only of election officials but watchers and challengers to see that the opposing party commits no fraud the watchfulness of this party machinery plus an increasingly vigilant public opinion has partly corrected the election frauds which were once common when a question submitted to referendum is espoused by both dominant parties it has the advantage of the watchfulness of both party organizations and is doubly guarded but when such a question has been espoused by no dominant party it is at the mercy of the worst forms of corruption precinct election officers often aiding its defeat by running in illegal votes against it or uniting to count it out women have been eligible as watchers in few states moreover non-partisan questions even when submitted at elections are not entitled to separate watchers a suffrage amendment unsponsored by political parties as was usual had no protection within the election precinct and when unscrupulous enemies were on hand was sent to certain disaster under the theory of our government election officials respecting the will of the majority as the sovereign of our nation are expected to maintain honesty in elections but in suffrage referenda theory and practice were frequently unacquainted if suffrage amendments are defeated by illegal practices why not demand redress the novice in suffrage campaigns used to ask there was the rub in twenty-five states no provision is made by the election law for any form of contest or recount on a referendum political corruptors could in these states bribe voters colonize voters and repeat them to their heart's content and redress of any kind was practically impossible if clear evidence of fraud could be produced the case might be brought to the courts and the guilty parties might be punished but the election would stand in new york in nineteen fifteen the question was submitted to the voters as to whether there should be a constitutional convention the convention was ordered by the ludicrous plurality of one thousand three hundred out of new york's millions of voters on recount in a few precincts it was estimated that about eight hundred fraudulent votes were cast 
leading lawyers discussed the question of effect upon the election and the general opinion was that even though the entire plurality and more was found to be fraudulent the election could not be set aside the convention was held the election law is vague and incomplete in most states and if fraud has been committed it is practically impossible to discover what an honest count of the vote would come to thirty-two states in clear terms disfranchise or give the legislature power to disfranchise bribers and bribed but few make provision for the method of actually enforcing the law and upon inquiry the secretary of state of many of these states reported that no man had ever been disfranchised for this offence this was true of states which have been notorious for political corruption with a vague law of uncertain meaning to define his punishment in most states and no law at all in twenty-five states the corrupt opponent of woman suffrage amendments found many additional aids to his nefarious acts a briber must make sure that the bribe carries out his part of the contract whenever it is easy to check up the results of the bribe corruption may reign supreme with little risk of being found out ways of checking up on bribes have been the chief study of the corrupt politician it was attained in wisconsin in nineteen twelve by using a small pink ballot for the suffrage ballot in north dakota in nineteen fourteen the regular ballot was long the suffrage ballot small and separate although of the same color in iowa in nineteen sixteen the suffrage ballot was separate and yellow in new york in nineteen fifteen there were three ballots party emblems easily distinguished the main ballot the other two were exactly alike in shape size and color and each contained three propositions one group coming from the constitutional convention and the other from the legislature party orders went forth to vote down the constitutional provisions and it was done by a plurality of four hundred and eighty two thousand nearly three hundred thousand more than the plurality against women's suffrage on the ballot containing the suffrage amendment number one there was number three which all political parties wanted carried yet so difficult was it to teach ignorant men to vote no on suffrage number one and yes on number three that despite the fact that orders had gone forth that number three was to be carried it barely squeezed through in the early years of state effort so few referenda were secured that women did not learn the difficulty of securing honest elections with experience however they knew that when their cause had overcome the obstacles imposed by the constitution it immediately entered upon the task of surmounting the infinitely greater hazards of the election law they became aware that an unscrupulous body stood ready to engage the lowest elements by fraudulent processes to defeat suffrage they learned that the place on the ballot or the kind of ballot exposed it to criminal manipulation that there was no protection against fraud on election day for a measure unsponsored by a dominant political party and that after the fraud was committed there was no redress through the handicaps and hazards created by these indefensibly unjust conditions women were forced to fight their way to political liberty on the outside of politics with no vote to help they waged their battle against sharp shrewd groups of men who on the inside of politics served no god but mammon to their aid such men called the foreign-born the negro the chinese the indian mobilized into an army at their back and in this position of vantage commanded just and liberal-minded men to silence and many obeyed there were men who nobly helped the suffrage cause but in the main the decades came and the decades went and the women went forward but alone no party whip was cracked no bayonet was drawn in their behalf they steered their course by their unshakable faith in self-government and its ultimate redemption from the menaces which threatened it they despaired not so much at the postponement of their own vote 
as over the wild chaos which the strife of parties had wrought and into which their own enfranchisement would plunge them why did they not give up many very many did but the eternal destinies of the human race drove others on End of chapter 11